Tonight's reading is from, can everyone hear me? <laughs> tonight's reading is from Joshua, um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and it can be found on page 216 in the Church Bible. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shatim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who, have, who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up onto the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites in the east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Thanks, Ellery. Hi, everybody. Uh, if you don't know me or you're visiting uh, or new here, I'm Libby Tolbert. I'm one of the clergy, one of the vicars here at P's and G's. It's great to be with you tonight. Uh, so at the beginning, when you were chatting about your risky stories, uh, the story that occurred to me was sort of uh, a little bit risky, a bit stupid. Uh, I'll, I'll share it with you now. It's a bit of a random one. Lots of my stories are. When I was about 13, uh, I was obsessed with having uh, this particular sort of straight skirt that came to about here grey straight pencil skirts, okay, uh, that were like cool in about 1980-something, uh, and I was obsessing uh, for a few weeks about having this particular grey skirt. I pestered and pestered my mum to buy me uh, this skirt, but she wouldn't because we couldn't afford it. Eventually, she got so sick of me pestering her uh, that she said one weekend, Libby, I'll run you one up on the sewing machine. My mum isn't a seamstress, but I was delighted that she would uh, make me this pencil skirt that I'd so longed for. On the Sunday, she presented to me, chuffed a bit. I was so chuffed about it. Monday morning came, put on my much-desired pencil skirt and it was pretty tight uh, and if you if you know what a pencil skirt is it definitely comes below your knee okay uh, and so I'm there I'm there trying it on and my mum sort of looked at me and was going Livia I'm just not sure you should wear that to school and I was like mum I will take the risk it is fine I definitely was more into the risk than the practicality of this skirt I was like, no, it looks absolutely amazing. It's exactly what I wanted. I absolutely love it. 
And she was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. It'll be fine. We're all well here. We'll go for it. And so I set off to school. And to be honest, I was walking to the bus stop sort of like this. And uh, got to the bus stop, stood there. My friends were all there admiring my new pencil skirt. I was so chuffed. I was like, I am it. You know, look at me. I'm amazing bus comes along, okay? The bus comes along, stops in front of the bus stop. I was sort of there at the front of the bus queue, and literally it went something like this. Okay, if you're listening online, you won't have a clue what's going on here. Um, that's the first time I've spoken to people online. Um, so... <laughs> I was literally going like this. I was like, get me, I'm going to get on the bus, you're going to see my new skirt. And I was literally like, and I could, I was like this. <laughs> trying to get, and, and, I, and I was like going like this, and I could not lift my leg high enough to step onto the bus. In those days, they didn't have buses that came down for people who needed help getting onto buses like me. It was like, I literally could not step onto the bus because I couldn't lift my leg high enough. I was absolutely mortified. My friends thought it was absolutely hilarious, as you can imagine, age 13 or 14. Um, I took that risk and I was a complete idiot. So I had to go all the way home, back to my house, put on the skirt that actually I was meant to wear for school and go back to school. Uh, so that was my slightly taking a risk, stupid story for you. Let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> Loving God, we thank you uh, that you are here through the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you that you love each one of us and you want to speak to us tonight through this story of Rahab. Give us hearts open to you. Give us ears ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this evening, we're going to uh, look at the person of Rahab. Uh, and her risky faith. She's a hero of faith. Uh, she's uh, a woman who steps out in incredibly risky faith, um, not knowing what would happen at the end of the story. She steps out in risky faith, not knowing what is going to happen at the end of the story. So we're going to just find out a little bit more about Rahab, what the big deal is about this woman called Rahab. The first thing that we learn about her is that she's a prostitute. She is a sinner. She is a lady of the night. She's probably brought her family into disrepute. We also find out soon that she's a liar, that she tells lies, and also that she's a betrayer. She is not the sort of character that you would expect to be described in Hebrews 11 as a hero of faith. And yet, here she is, a prostitute, a sinner, a liar, and a betrayer, a broken person. And yet, God has plans and purposes for Rahab. So much so that she's listed amongst all those heroes of faith going down through the Jewish religion in Hebrews 11. So to understand Rahab, we need to understand what's actually happening in God's story at this time. We need to put Rahab into context. So this is what has happened before, very, very briefly. Basically, Moses and the people of Israel have left Egypt. They've been wandering in the desert for around 40 years. Uh, they get nearly to the edge of the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, uh, which God has promised he will provide for the people to live 
live in. They get nearly to the promised land, and then Moses uh, dies just before they reach the promised land. God then appoints Joshua as leader of the people, and they're on the edge of the promised land. And they see this town, Jericho. It's an occupied land. And God promises uh, that he will give this land to Joshua and the people of Israel. And he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I will give you the land that I have promised you. So Joshua and the people are holding on to this promise. They've been told to be strong and courageous. God is going to give them this land. And so Jericho wants to know what this land is like. And so we hear right at the beginning of our reading tonight in Joshua 2 that that, uh, Joshua sends two spies into Jericho to check out the lie of the land, to see what's going on there before they invade uh, that town. And the first person that they meet in that town that's recorded is Rahab. It says in verse 1, so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. We're all thinking it, aren't we? Why are these two spies going to the home of a prostitute? We don't actually know. We don't know why uh, they chose to go uh, to Rahab's house and not some innkeeper or something. Uh, Maybe they've heard of of, of, uh, Rahab. Maybe it's because, as we find out a little bit later, her house is in the walls of Jericho, so it's a good spot for them to be in. Uh, Maybe she's just literally on the edge of the community socially, so she's a, a safe space for them to be. Maybe they went for sex. We don't exactly know. But let's be realistic. She is a prostitute. She is a hooker. She's a lady of the night. She's a sex worker. Her house was not simply an inn, as some theologians uh, like to sanitize it, not simply a place for travelers to lay their heads. But her house was a place where she sold her body for sex, where Rahab plied her trade. And so she would have been an outcast in that community. Her profession had as much stigma then as it does today. And so isn't it even more amazing that God chooses this woman? He chooses Rahab, the prostitute, to be part of his story. He chooses somebody who is messed up for whatever reason, who is far from perfect, who has no religious credentials that we know about. All we know is that the people of Jericho worship false gods. He chooses somebody who probably struggles every day with life. He chooses Rahab. He wanted her to play a part in his big story, in his big story of his plans and his purposes for his people. So maybe you relate to Rahab's messed up, less than perfect life. So a question for you and for I, just right at the beginning here. Have you ever considered that God may be looking for you, even with your broken, messed up life, even those parts of your life that you're glad nobody else here knows about? Have you ever considered that God may be looking for you to be part of his story? whatever your life has been like so far. I'll just leave you that with you for a moment as we go back to Rahab. 
So the spies enter Rahab's house, uh, and what we do know is that she was obviously quite well known in Jericho, because even the king of Jericho knows about her. And he gets wind of the fact that these spies have entered into her house, and we read this. The king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they've come to spy out the whole land. And this is where we encounter Rahab, who is not just a prostitute, but also a liar and a betrayer as well. She turns around to the king's messengers and says this in verse 4. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they'd come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left anyway, you know, and uh, I don't know which way they went. So if you go after them quickly, you may just catch them up. But she'd taken them up to the reef and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the reef, we read. At that moment, faced by the king's messengers, Rahab faced a massive choice, didn't she? The easier thing for her to do would be at that moment to just hand over these foreign spies uh, to the king's messengers. But instead... She chose to lie to the king's messengers, to betray her own people, let's face it, and to take a huge risk and hide those spies in her house. It was a massive risk, because just imagine what would have happened to her if the king had found out that she'd hidden these foreign spies intent on invading uh, their land in her house. I'm sure she and probably her whole family would have been put to death. She's taking a massive risk. So why would she take such a massive risk for these two spies, these two foreigners, these two strangers to her? Well, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, maybe, maybe because she lived the life of a prostitute, and because We know or we can imagine everything that that life entails. She's just got no respect for the people of her town anyway. Uh, I had a friend a few years ago who had recently come out of prostitution. And at that time, she was working through a huge amount of bitterness and a huge amount of pain um, because of how she'd been treated over her many years as a prostitute. She'd felt so betrayed and abused and abandoned, uh, not just by the men who had used and abused her, but by her community as well. She just couldn't trust anybody. And so she had to learn to trust people again, even before she could forgive them. She had to learn to be part of her community again, to love people again. And I was thinking maybe that helps us to understand uh, a little of where Rahab is coming from here. Why did she think these Israelite spies were perhaps different? Well, maybe it was simply because they weren't the people from her town who she'd lived amongst and been abused by for so long. Maybe they hadn't used her and abused her like her people had. Maybe they treated her with respect or treated her differently. We don't exactly know. But there's another major clue, I think, uh, that helps us to understand why Rahab took this massive risk in hiding those spies on the roof of her house. In verse 10 and 11 of our passage, uh, Rahab tells the spies that she has heard about their God. The verse is on the screen there. She says she knows that their God has given them this land. 
Uh, because of them, everyone is fearful. Why? Because they've, they, they've heard how these spies had followed a God who is so powerful that when the Israelites, when the Jewish people escaped from Egypt, their God was so powerful, he parted the Red Sea. They've heard that the God of these spies is so powerful that these kings have been sort of slaughtered, these people have been slaughtered in the wake uh, uh, of the Israelite people. Their God is so powerful. She's heard how their God is so powerful. She, he is, she declares, the Lord of heaven and earth, the God of all heaven and earth. Ultimately, she's saying, I believe that your God is more powerful than my king. I believe that your God is more powerful than the gods that all these people in Jericho worship. It's amazing if you think about it. God's fame, the fame has, of God has gone before Rahab. She's heard about how powerful he is. She's been gripped by that. And she makes this incredible declaration. She chooses to trust in the power of God. She has faith in a God who is most, more powerful and she's willing to take that risk. I think that Rahab is an absolute legend. And I think she's become such a legend uh, because she is somebody who isn't perfect by any means. Her life, as we've already looked at, is messy and it's complicated. She's got faith and life really not sorted at all. But somehow, when she hears about the Almighty God, she's willing to step into this risky faith. She believes, she acts, and God uses her incredibly to further his purposes and plans in the world. And I think maybe some of us here tonight need to take this on board for ourselves. Our lives can be messy. We can all think that we're just not good enough. We're just not good enough for God. Or we feel we haven't got enough faith. That's for them over there. Or we can think, God can't use me. I'm struggling, maybe in my relationships, or in my finances, or just in my whole family life, or maybe in my work. My life just feels all over the place. I came across uh, this quote in a book uh, I was reading this week, and it really struck me. We can be so afraid of death that we never live. So afraid of failure that we never risk. So afraid of pain that we never discover how strong we really are. I'll just read that again. We can be so afraid of death that we never live. So afraid of failure that we never risk. And so afraid of pain that we never discover how strong we really are. Maybe we've got convinced by this mantra that we hear all around us, that all we need is a house and a spouse and a job and a few kids, and then my exciting life will happen. All you need is your degree or your graduate training scheme. All you need is a steady income or a girlfriend, and then all the excitement will happen. Then God can use me. Then I can start to take risks for him. But all through the biblical narrative, God chooses people whose lives are messy. 
who haven't got everything sorted, to play incredible roles in his mission in the world. He sometimes has to do a little bit of tweaking in people's character along the way, a little bit of refining along the way as well. But it's incredible that God continually uses people and chooses people whose lives are not sorted. God takes risks on us. And sometimes he calls us to take risks on him. God takes risks on us and sometimes he calls us to take a risk on him, to put our faith in him, to trust him, to put our confidence in, in him, just like Rahab did when she was faced with that decision. And that risk for you and I today might be that we need to allow God to start writing our story. You might need to, if you like, hand over the pen of your life to God rather than holding on to it yourself. One of my heroes of faith is a guy called Simon Gillibau. Some of you might have uh, heard of him. He's written quite a few books and he's spoken around the place. And he's really one of my modern day hero, heroes of faith. He's a pretty regular guy in lots of ways. He just went to school and university, uh, finished uni and got a, a job in marketing in London. But he just knew that that wasn't the end for him. He knew that that wasn't what God had for him. He knew there was something more. And so he said to God, you know, I'm, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything for you. He put his story into God's hands, if you like. But at that stage, he had no idea what that would look like. And out of the blue one day, uh, this guy got in touch with him uh, and said, Simon, can you meet up with me uh, later on in the day? It wasn't somebody he actually knew. He just rang him and said, you know, I'm so-and-so. Could I meet up with you later today? And Simon was intrigued, so he went and met up with him uh, later on in that day. And he basically said to Simon, this guy did, you know, Simon, I've been praying, and I think God is calling you to go and work in Burundi. And he was like right, okay. He didn't know quite how to respond to that, but he was a sort of holy sort of guy. You know, the right thing is to say, I'll go away and pray about it. So he said, I'll go away and pray about it, and I'll think about it. So he went back to work, uh, turned on his computer, continued uh, to do his work. And then his phone rang. Again, it was somebody he didn't know. And, and he answered the phone. And he, oh, he'd said to, said to God when he got back to his desk, he'd said, If this is from you, God, you have got to make it so clear to me that I cannot avoid it, or I'm on no uncertain terms that this is you speaking to me. Sat down his computer, phone rings. This guy at the end of the phone says to him, Simon, I was just wondering if you knew anybody who could go and work in Burundi? He was like, God started to, he was like, okay, God. Anyway, he did. He went on, and uh, he went on to work in Burundi. Uh, it's one of the poorest and one of the most dangerous countries in the world. And God has not let him down. He took a risk. He gave his story over to God. He invited God into his story. And God hasn't let him down. He's used him incredibly. It's been scary and fearful at times, but he's pleased trusting God every day. And he's seen amazing things happen. So do you and I need to put our trust in God? Let him be part of our story. Is God nudging you or calling you, putting something across your path now? 
Somehow in the middle of her messy life, God revealed himself incredibly to Rahab, didn't he? Something grabbed her about his power. And it meant as broken and messed up as his, her life was, she stepped out in risky faith and was used by God in his massive salvation story. So how did God use Rahab? Well, Rahab uh, went to the spies up on her roof and she says this to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear has fallen on us. And these words gave massive confidence to these spies. And so later on in the story, Rahab uh, lets them down the side of her building and they escape. They go back to Joshua. They get back to Joshua and they say, Joshua, it's okay because there's a massive fear in the land. It gave them confidence that actually this land had been given them to God. Joshua thinks, that's amazing. They're all fearful about us. They're melting in fear, Rahab said. And so God is going to give us this land. And so that God then says to Joshua, right, I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times and blow your trumpets and blah, blah, blah. That's a whole other story. And, and he gives them the land of Jericho. God uses Rahab's risky faith in his big story. And then what happens to Rahab? Well, if you go further through the Bible, you actually find out that she was used in, even more in God's big plan because of her risky faith. Uh, a little bit later, we read about this guy called Boaz, okay? Boaz is a righteous, godly man. And he ends up marrying somebody called Ruth. There's a whole book about Ruth in the Bible. Read it. It's really great and really short. Uh, so it's fantastic. And he marries, Boaz mar marries Ruth. Boaz's mum is Rahab. Okay, so you've got Rahab, you've got uh, Boaz, you've got Ruth. They have a son called Obed. Okay, Obed grew up to be the father of Jesse. I wonder if you've heard of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, who is the shepherd boy who kills Goliath and became incredible king over Israel. And then at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, we get this incredible genealogy. And in this genealogy, we find all these people, all stre stretching back from Rahab. You get to David, and you find out that D one of David's great, 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 great grandsons is a guy called Jacob. And Jacob's son is Joseph. And Joseph's marries Mary. And Mary and Joseph's son is Jesus. You're with me. And so Rahab makes this choice and steps out in risky faith. And God uses her incredibly in his big story. She didn't know when she hid the spies on her roof that God would use her in that way, taking us all the way to Jesus. It's incredible. And it just reminded me of a story I heard uh, of a man called Trevor Bezik. In 1961, Trevor Bezik was the organist at a little Methodist chapel in a place called Rose in West Yorkshire. He was also the youth leader in that Methodist chapel. And I've heard a few things about Trevor Bezik, but the thing that I've heard most is that he was a bit of a geek. Everybody thought he was quite geeky, but he also commanded respect, and he had a deep faith in Jesus Christ. In 1961, Billy Graham, the famous American evangelist who died uh, just recently this year, uh, was coming and doing a tour around the UK, speaking in big football arenas, and he was speaking in Manchester. And Trevor Bezik, 1961, said to the youth group at Race Methodist Chapel, guys, 
why don't I organise for us all to go to Manchester to watch Billy Graham and hear Billy Graham speak. One of the people in that youth group was a girl, a 16-year-old girl called Val Clark. And her and her sisters and some of their friends decided to go along for the fun of it to Manchester to hear Billy Graham. Val Clark uh, gave her life to Jesus that day in 1961. She grew up, she drifted a little bit in her faith, she got married, she had a son, uh, and then she had a daughter. And just after she'd had her daughter in 1974, she came back to faith in Jesus and has lived her life for Jesus since. Val Clark is my mum. And I just want to show you this little family tree. You've got Val in green at the top. That's uh, my mum and her sister. Soon after she became a Christian, her sisters Angela and Jennifer also became Christians. They're first generation Christians in their family. And that's just me and my cousins and all our children following on. The really incredible thing about that family tree is that there are 22 people on there who are committed Christians that started with Trevor Bezik stepping out in risky faith. The people in green are the vicars <laughs> in our family as well. Isn't that amazing? I wonder if you've got family trees like that. Trevor Bezik was just the geeky organist. Rahab was the prostitute, the fallen woman. And yet they put their faith in a God who is more powerful. They stepped out and they trusted. And God used them incredibly for his plans and purposes in the world. Lives have been changed because of them stepping out in faith. Any of us who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ have stepped into God's big story. We have entered into uh, what God has been doing and continues to do in his world today. But the incredible thing is, Rahab didn't know the end of the story. Trevor Bezik didn't know the end of the story. But in a sense, we do know the end of the story because we believe in a God who is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the beginning and the end. We know that on the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. He said, I have done it. I have brought forgiveness and mercy and grace and freedom for every single one of you who decides to call on me as your Lord and Savior and follow me with your life. And so maybe God is calling some of us to step out in risky faith this evening, to perhaps realize that we are part of God's big story, whatever our story has been up to this point, to trust in him, to put our confidence in a God who promises that he will never leave us and never forsake us.